Y'all ready? There we go. Mm. What are we doing today, Eric? We are listening to AFI's Sing the Sorrow. Happy Halloween, everyone. Ah! So for uh, the month of October, Gathering My Thoughts podcast is going uh, Halloween vibes. So we're going to start it off and we're going to listen through uh, AFI's Sing the Sorrow, 2003. Am I correct? Yes. And we're going to talk about how much we like it. I've got Eric Jones from Producer Dudes here. And uh, he knows everything that needs to be known about this album. So I figured, why not have him on it? I, I know enough. You know, you know plenty. Okay, so one thing. Man, I've got, I've got a handful of questions about this album. They'll come as, they, uh, as I hear it as we're listening. So Word. I'll wait. Um, tell me, wh- how old were you when you first heard this? I was 14. 14? Okay, yeah. I was 13 or 14 as well. I might have been 13. I think I was 13. It was 8th grade, yeah. 2003. It's a good time. Uh, the Leaving Song Part 2 was a single. It was coming on MTV, VH1, uh, MTV2. What was that other channel? Fuel? Uh, Fuse. Fuse. Yeah, they had that on at Cyclone Skate Park where I worked. Nice. And that's how I found out about a lot of bands because it would just be playing music. And I remember seeing, uh, which is the one, uh, what, uh, Girls Not Gray. The music video with like the background is like a field of red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like cartoony and Girls stuff. Not Gray, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I think I already had this album, but that was the first music video I saw. Uh, I think Girls Not Gray won MTV's 2003 or 2004's uh, Best Music Video Award. And that's why you're here. So you can learn that kind of stuff. Mmm. Uh, what was one of the things that made you go, like, mouth drop when you heard this album? <sighs> There's a lot, man. Um, this part was intense. This intro, yeah, dude. Um, I missed out seeing them live when they did this, but because they always do uh through our bleeding we are one, um the the chant from uh Black Sails, mm-hmm. um through your bleeding we, we are one. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna be doing. Oh, I don't think we might do Black Sails. We might do if there's enough weeks in October, which there's like five. I counted the other day. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Black Sails is a great record. Yeah, so it might go um, Sing the Sorrow, Art of Drowning, All Hollows, Black Sails, and then the last week coming up to Halloween, I've got a special album for all of you guys. It's really cool. So yeah, um, question about this song. When I when I started listening, I went through this whole album last week prepping for today. Um this guitar tone. Okay, so talking about things that we took away yeah, when yeah. we uh, were young and we heard it. It really... All his lead stuff is kind of cutty. It cuts his slides, mm-hmm. scratch. But if you listen to this rhythm, right there, it's it's precise and it's clean. It's like mm. there's less gain than you think there is. And I, I don't think he's playing on the neck pickup, strumming all these chords. But mm. it's like if he was to use, like material like a soft material as his pick there's like no pick attack unless well, he wants it so his pick he uh he uses a 0.6 millimeter pick okay uh, explain to me what that would feel like um it's like an, what you and i would use for an acoustic like so you know how i use the yellow tortex picks uh-huh uh for acoustic playing that's 12 millimeters thicker than what he uses for all his stuff okay that makes sense so he's using a thin it pick it feels the attack of it mm-hmm. 
feels like it's very smooth. It's very yeah. just washy. Well, and it's a very washy tone. And he doesn't strum hard either. He's, he's a wrist player, so his hand almost never leaves the bridge. And so no matter what he's playing, his hand's just like in that same spot. But dude, this articulation on the lead stuff, it's great. So what um, pickup selection did he use on this album? He used, uh, typically in the studio, he uses uh, Les Paul Standard, and I believe just stock pickups, so I would assume those are like Burst Buckers okay. or 57 Classics or something like that. Um, but um, he switched to his, uh, studios around this time because of the fact they were so much lighter than his Standard, mm -hmm. and he used those just stock. And so it's got the five uh, the 498T in the bridge, 490R in the neck position. And uh, he's tried other pickups, but always ends up putting the uh, Gibson pickups back in. Interesting. Um, and so he's got some guitars that have a uh, Seymour Duncan in the bridge, and I would assume those are JBs. Um, but it's like That's two, uh, for uh, Justin Bieber, for those yes, of you Yes, the listening. Justin Bieber pickup. He got his own custom wound pickups back in the... 2003, 2004. It's like a hot rodded Les Paul pickup. Yeah, with a cute haircut. It's gorgeous. And a sassy attitude. That's why Davey Havoc started wearing his hair up a lot. Uh, Justin Bieber, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I remember seeing that on, uh, what was that? I was trying to make a reference. What was that? Zanga? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was going to say. All right, be sure to update AFI's Wikipedia with this information. Okay, so bridge pickup, middle position, neck pickup. What were his choices and why? <sighs> On certain points, it has to be the bridge pickup, but I think live he does use his middle position, or he did around this time a lot, because he's you know experimenting with trying to make a full sound. Yeah, and that's what, man, okay, so one of the other things I noticed listening to this album is how, I could be wrong, but it seems like the amount of layers, or for lack of better words, the amount of tracks they have per song is fair. I mean, listen to these drums. Sounds like a drum set. Yeah. There sounds like there's one guitar over here, one guitar over here, and bass. Mm -hmm. And that's all we're hearing right now. Yeah. But granted, what you're hearing with the guitars is not just like one amp, though. Yeah, he's got. What's his amp setup? So in this. Look at this. Look at all this information you're learning. So on this record, um, it was like a 1585 uh, to like 20, a 30 to 70 uh, mix of Plexi with a Billy Joe mod. Or um, mixed with a uh, Mesa Dual Rectifier and the uh, Vintage setting. Okay. And so what I imagine happened, uh, I don't know this part for sure. This was like never discussed outside of this. But I'm assuming he got a lot of the power and like, a lot of the low end, like anything that has a chug or anything from the Let me Mesa. just say this real quick. This is the most muddy, warm full guitar tone that I've ever loved. Yeah, and it's articulate too. You it's, can hear yeah. it like every uh, thing and, happening and in a And that's why I think there's less distortion than I think there is. Like if I was to go make this tone, I'd probably start off with too much and I'd have to pull back. And then it, that shows how much of it's his playing. The consistency in mm -hmm. the breakup. I'm getting all producer dudes on you guys. <laughs> this is me working at Guitar Center. It sounds kind of like, like roundy. You know what I mean? It's like, it feels And then what the purple. customer says is, uh, no. And I'm like, you know, like, it sounds purple. <laughs> and they're like, I don't, I don't. He said, my husband said he wanted a green guitar. Is it here? 
I had that one year on Christmas. <laughs> a lady and her daughter came up to me. They're like, can you help us? Our husband wanted to get a guitar for Our Christmas. Husband, they or, or my husband, my father, one of them was talking. And uh, I was like, yeah, do you, do you know which one he wants? And she was like, well, he said it's green. <laughs> like I looked over at the wall of how many guitars do you think are in, are on the wall? Oh, uh, guitar center. We must have had at least three hundred. Yeah, including Kaylin, do you know? He said upwards of four fifty five hundred. Kalen Orr is hidden in this room. Yeah, he's the uh, he set up all the recording equipment for this episode, and he's also my co-host on Producer Dudes. Yeah. So. Yeah, say hi, Kalen. Uh, Look at how show me is. So if you haven't noticed, we're just standing. Why? Because who, who needs chairs? Are you weak, Eric? Dude, chairs are a construct of the upper powers of the universe, man. Yeah, totally, dude. Totally. <laughs> chairs are just, they're all part. I don't want to say anything. I'll give me trouble. Um, what's going on musically? Dude, this is one of my favorite parts of the record. Um, so I had, I had a guitar lesson last night. Let's hear uh, about it. And uh, his uh, name's Richard. He's an older guy who helps run the lights. Did he ever go by Dick? No, I don't know. What an interesting Maybe. nickname to come and then go. Ha! <laughs> 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 All right. All right. <laughs> Let's, uh... <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> um, well, so uh, I'm, I'm teaching him about, like, numbers, the national number system, and then how to transpose song into different keys. And so... I, the good foundation for that is bar chords. Yeah. And so I'm showing him bar chords. And AFI, like, Jade Puget uses a crap ton of bar chords. Yeah. Like, everything we're hearing is a bar chord. If it's not a lead line. I love his ability to take a bar chord. Uh, this is me just guessing, because I don't remember to research these kinds of things. I just have friends like this who then answer for me. But when you listen to it, it sounds like he's playing, like, let's say he's playing a G bar chord, right? But he'll like just strum these strings for a moment and then these. He's like constantly like using this all six of these strings and he'll like he'll like strum the first four bars on the one, five, eight. Mm -hmm. And then for the next like two beats, he'll strum up here so like dan and it's just the same chord, but the way he's attacking it Mm -hmm. is really cool. Well he's accomplishing what a lot of us do, like um if we ever play like a D chord down low and then bring it up to the octave and play a D chord, it's like it'd be the same thing as being like 10th fret and doing a bar chord. It's going to like, yeah, essentially there's some, some, uh, uh, intervals are different, but regardless, it's the same effect. Why does this groove and is this three, four or six, eight, three, four, five, six, one, one two, three. I think it's two, six, eight, three, four. It's like your uh, the freaking song we did for words. Where you can oh, it's two four ways. four with the like uh, swing, swing. Yeah, I unintentionally did this on the new words album, track two. It'll be called Wake, and uh, yeah, it was a real one two three four five six or one two three four, and then freaked the drummer out for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to try to figure this out right here. Yeah. For all you musical savants out there, I'm so glad that you already understand. One two three four five six one two. Three, four, triple I don't know. I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> but it sounds, it's just got a really, I feel like more of this swing these days doesn't feel this as deliberate. There might be the kick drum just being like, this is the groove. Listen. And it's the fact that no one uses a right symbol anymore. That's probably it too. You don't hear the ting, 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 ting anymore. And even in their newer stuff, he's just still like, like that uh coheed album album that you told me to listen to uh-huh. uh mars color before the sun color before the sun 
he that drummer played like he didn't let any of the modernization of drum styles yeah. affect him. He was like, this is how I play drums, and it was so tasteful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? <laughs> so this music video would play on Fuse a lot, too. Yep. And uh, I would be wiping all the little tables at the skate park and just... You know what I also saw? Um, Seosin and Circus Survive was I fused while I was at work just looking up and being like, what was that? And then I'd get someone to drive me somewhere with CDs and I'd buy it. Nice. With the cash I earned from working. He worked. He was on the grid for a while. Yeah. I mean, it was a skate park, so there wasn't much to do. Yeah, so we got to keep money out of his pocket. Just <laughs> The only thing that I never realized was like, You'd see kids there for eight hours, and they would come up to the uh, concessions, and they'd get a Dr. Pepper, and then they just keep going. And I was like, no, no one ever drinks. When I was in high school, I actually, one time, I went three days without drinking water because I was curious how long I could go without drinking water. Dude, you could go a while. I bet you can. About three days in, though, I started to feel really bad. Everything everything was hurting. It was like my body was wanting to, was wanting to curl in, uh-huh. and then I just had a headache. This okay, uh, backup vocals. Do you know who... When that's they... Jade right there. Okay, yeah. I knew you would know. Yeah. So, um, gang vocals. I assume it's always... It always sounds like it's all of them, and then like four more tracks of Just Davey mm-hmm. in their gang vocals. Do you think that's right? I saw a video of them doing gang vocals for Crash Love, and so they actually had like nine or ten people. And he just has a timbre that they just cuts. stands out, man. Yeah. Um, but uh, I... So... I think they record everything like two or three times, um, but it's usually a group of people. So it may be back at this record's time, it might have been more so them just doing it multiple times. But I know for Crash Love, there was like a couple ladies, like four other dudes outside of the band, and they would all do stuff, and then he would yell in the same space with them his part that he does solo. Okay. And so that was pretty cool. I don't know if they actually tracked that part, or if that was just to kind of give them an idea of what was happening. Okay. Okay. Let's see. What else was I, I knew when I was listening to it, it would be smart to write all these questions down. But I figured they would come as we listened to it. For sure. What's next? Dude, dancing through Sunday. What was your favorite song first? First, my favorite song. Well, uh, leaving song part two. That's the one that got me to buy the album. Uh huh. After listening through the record, freaking this cellular dream. Which one's that? I'm a track number guy. Um, I think eight or nine. It might have been ten. Okay. Um, I think for me, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this will work. We got this right here. For me, the uh, let's. So see. these are called CDs. Um, it's a piece of plastic. Um, and the CD's inside this box. Yeah, right here. So that's a compact disc. Yeah. So what's happening is show them the back so they can. There's understand. an album in here. There's an album in there. <laughs> Name that movie. There's a movie in there. <laughs> Uh, SLC Punk. If I got black because it, it's much cooler. You need to go see it. You know what I miss, dude? Okay, so let's Books. talk about this album some more. This in here. I used to, when I was younger, I'd listen to this album, and I would just go through this. Look at this artwork, guys. They're just painting a picture for you. Look at that. Don't you feel like such a part of this? I would. I would, or I did. I did. I literally did. Let's let's listen to, or let's look at some more. Look at all these pretty drawings. They're like creating an entire vibe, an entire atmosphere. I think it's awesome. Let's let's look over here in the the different camera. Look at that. I drew most of these as a kid. I drew this one for sure. 
Alright, hold on, let's listen to this solo. Alright, did he turn a pedal on, or is this just the amp tones dialed in differently? I think it's his amp tones dialed in differently. He might have had a tube screamer on there. Too much low end. I'm just kidding. I that don't could know. be the Mesa. I just feel like every time I turn a tube screamer on, tube screamer on, I lose like a huge. It's like a total mm-hmm. low cut, and that for my style, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. No, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's all very possible. I, I don't know uh, the pedal chains. Um, I know this. You know, obviously, there's a phaser at the beginning of the song, but uh, no, this song. Um, that guitar solo was a, was a treat to learn, and this was their. Uh, this was the one that I think got the, a lot of people. My buddy Kyle, he would always uh, when this album was big, he would go, "I like the one that goes follow." <laughs> he would just do that every time. It was so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I I am terrible at song titles because they used to just sit in my car, or my CD player, and I knew like number seven. This is number six, I believe. Mm-hmm. Number seven was my favorite uh, song. That, that's the one that when I got this album, I went home, I listened through it. Death of Seasons? Yes. The one that made me go, I have to listen to this album again, was that one. And then we'll get there in a minute, but the freaking, the way they do the last song into the hidden track. Oh, my God. As a 13-year-old impressionable little boy, it blew my ever-living mind. Dude, was that was uh, Jade's little brother playing the piano. Was it really? Yeah, and another, uh, uh, it was Jade or Jade's little brother playing the piano. Do and then his a- other brother read the poem. Oh, cool. Do they have a slight slapback delay on the piano? Because I've tried to learn that piece before. Yeah, I think it's a... Uh, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. It, I used to have to do that. I me. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I also don't memorize lyrics. I'm a terrible fan. Dude, you have a hard time memorizing your own lyrics. Yeah. I, I, do you remember that house show when we were playing uh, in Denton? It was the fun one that turned into like a dance party. Afterwards. Oh, that was awesome. And uh, we were playing... Uh, um, DJ TJ? Yeah. <laughs> we, we were playing Dealing at the Crossroads. Uh-huh. And we sing verse one. Yeah. And then we go into verse two. And I just started verse one again. And then I could not for the life of me think of the words <laughs> next. So I just laughed, looked at everyone and said, I forgot. And we just jammed the whole second verse until it was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they don't stick. You know what's crazy is if I listen to uh, Jack Johnson's album, On and On. I had that in my CD player for like a year just because it was good vibes and I was trying to emotionally support myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember most of the words. I just I just listen to the songs. I get stuck mm-hmm. listening to tones and different takes. So my one thing about AFI... Yeah, let's hear it. That I have a hard time resonating with mm. is a lot of the lyrical content because it's so poetic. Oh, it's, man. It's Good hard to, it's hard to actually like dial in a purpose of a song. Yeah, but that's the joy of it. Me, me and my friends, we used to sit up and uh, we would talk. We'd get on my roof. They'd spend the night. And we'd go sit on my roof and talk. And we would dive into these lyrics. Like Jeff from Thursday uh-huh. and Davey Havoc would, would say things like, I mean, let's see. I know there's one, a Thursday song, where he says, the letter gray slides lazily off rooftops. <laughs> and I was just like, eh? But what's fun is you can sit there and try to pin your own meaning to them. And I think that's what they're doing. I think they're letting different emotional kids find meaning. And they probably have their own. But if you color it enough, it allows people, like movies do. Yeah. In my head, it's a gray envelope, like, sitting on top of the roof. And it's just slowly falling off the roof. Oh, dude. Or like a newspaper, like a house and that. No, just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See? 
All right. All right. Uh, this song and The Great Disappointment are the first songs to make me realize bass guitar can be cool. Oh, dude. That's what for Crutch? Yeah. Set it off? That's when I knew bass could be cool. Dude, this will... Actually, uh, Rancid, most punk bands. So this song is actually the one I had the hardest time wrestling with. To like. Really? Yeah. Um, that's because uh, I didn't listen to Scream uh, in music much at all before this. Gotcha. So, you, dude, you know what made me love this album? Playing uh, Tony Hawk Underground. I um, didn't play that one. I stopped at Tony Hawk 2. Dude, that game was so fun. But I don't know if you know this. The original Xbox, you could put in CDs and install songs onto your Xbox. I had no idea. I yeah. didn't get an Xbox till the 360. So you, I had a, uh, you're able to go into the music options and be like, music on Xbox. I was like, what? And I put this is the only album I have on there. And so I beat that whole game from start to finish with this album on loop. Okay. Okay, I understand. And that. I remember uh, I was playing it one day, and this song came on, and my dad was like. What the hell are you listening to? Like, just because the, uh, like, yeah, I remember my dad was playing Tony Hawk 2, and my dad had a guest over, and they were walking by, and I was playing Tony Hawk, singing along to the music, and it was Bad Religion, and I was going, there's a place where everyone can be happy, it's the most beautiful place in the whole world, <laughs> and I hear my dad go, trying to turn the music off, because you know how you could go to the menu and turn it off and just hear the skate sounds? I was like, Dad, gum it! I That's didn't know so you were there, funny. sure. <laughs> Another time I almost got caught, I was listening to, uh, almost got caught. I was listening to Dropkick Murphy's Live from Boston CD. And they were yelling at the crowd, like, come on. And he just screams some cuss word. And my dad was, was in the other room, and I panicked for a second. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't know the song dropped two F-bombs. Yeah. Until my dad was in the room with me. And Dude. then, and what's funny, he didn't understand it because it was scream. But for me, I was like... It was like, uh, that's fucking right. I was just like, he just said it. He said it. And it only meant, and I was 14 at the time, and I, I grew up in a very, like, old school uh, type of nuclear family. Yeah. And so, like, it was like, you can't say crap until you're 13. Dude, my family <laughs> was weird because uh, they, my dad didn't like crap, and my mom didn't like suck. I had to remember which one was which. And oh, then, my dad didn't like either. Cursing in general was really give and take. Like, if it was really funny, if, if I could sell it, Everyone was okay. Yeah, yeah. But if it wasn't, it was very testy waters of when I could get away with it. For me, it's if I was mad and I had a right to be that mad. Here comes the uh, F-bomb. We'll point it out. The second one. There it is. Yeah. So one time on the way to youth camp, we listened to this CD and uh, Against All Authority. We listened to a couple of punk bands. And every time a cuss word came, me and my buddy Casey would just yell in the car so our youth pastor didn't notice. That's so funny. he's just driving, hearing music in the background, and we'd just be like, ah! <laughs> every, time there was, every time there was a bad word. It was, uh, okay, right here. Let's listen to this, everyone. Listen. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I have something about this, so let's just let's take it in. You hear that? You hear all this emotion? A lot of reverb. It's like if you took the beautiful moments in your life and then the worst ones, put them into a little montage and listen to it. So, it's totally random. This feel, this vibe right here, when I was listening to that Coheed album. Yeah. And it was at the end of 
the Here to Mars one, the bridge uh-huh. of it, when he's kind of yelling all that intense stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I told you, I said, I saw your soul. Yes. I was just sitting at my house listening to this, knowing. So I took this moment listening to that right there mm-hmm. of me as a 13 year old, like in my room, just being like enraptured by it. Mm-hmm. And I just placed that and figured this is probably what Eric was feeling when he listened to this <laughs> album. And so that's how I just imagined this young Eric just in his room being like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, funny. this is a really good one, too. Dude, this bass line is so clever. And then the guitar part's freaking cool, man. Because uh, the clean thing, he's just doing like a minor th- uh, minor thirds up on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like a minor shape on the, with the thirds. And then he goes to this gains kind of thing. Like, And I just freaking love the way this part evolves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really like it. Let's listen. So this is going on Twitch, right? Yeah. Okay, so I encourage anyone who's watching this. Just put it on, start making breakfast, listen to the music with us, hear our stupid conversation over it. But that's why you're here, right? Um, yeah, here's the baseline. I like the uh, sustained harmonics. You don't hear drums sound like this anymore, Eric. You don't. So, drum fun facts. I think they had four different kick drums and four different, or four or five different snares. Throughout the album? Throughout the album. Uh, just because like one would fit the vibe better, one would hit harder, one would be like a little bit more reserved. And, yeah. Because uh, I don't think you hear drums like this ever again in the record. Yeah, the snare is a lot more top-end. Or just tighter, maybe. You can still hear the bottom. I like it. Fun fact for Gathering My Thoughts listeners, uh, all the albums you hear me play are a little bit more squished than they were intended to be because they're already mastered and then I take my audio and I kind of normalize it and so what's funny is when I listen to the songs as I'm going through it to export it or whatever you everything you can hear more like echoes and reverbs they come out in the songs more if you listen to my podcast so I always hear these layers of songs more all right course Dude, he's so good at guitar. Yeah. What's funny is he's not good, like, in the sense of, like, like if you think of bands like Periphery or, yeah. like, Steve Vai. Like, those are virtuosos. Yeah. And this guy is just a great songwriter. Well, that's the difference. There's people who, it's like, there's finding, a, perfecting your skill in this manner and then just your technique and your playing. Mm-hmm. And depending on what kind of music you want to create and what kind of band you're in, mm-hmm. those... This album's odd in that the guitar sounds so aggressive, yet so laid back. Yeah, there's like, that's what I was trying to say earlier with the lack of layers. It's like, he you can tell he either wanted to make sure he could play all this live, or he mm. said, this is enough. And that's what makes me really scared, is that they thought this is enough, because I don't think... You would be uncomfortable releasing this yes. without... Like an extra layer of like kind of background, just different kind of chord stuff. voicings of the same mm-hmm. chords, maybe. Yeah, I mean now, it's it's the, so easy to just layer and layer your music now. Well, now and the, also the difference is is we're doing digital, like a lot. Like so, you have a computer, you just get as many tries as you want. You get to perfect it. Um, you've had years of school behind you as a guitar player doing it, and then on top of that. Um, there's this whole idea that as you're doing something, 
a good song should grow in this kind of way but they're coming from a very punk background and so for them it's just like doing what the song needs and leaving it there yeah and man i did not as much as i listened to this as a kid listening to this last week i just did not realize how much space there is in the song now because of that whenever like uh hold on hold on let's listen to this guitar riff because i got a question for you you hear that little lick? Dude, yeah. it's so clear, but it's the muddiest tone ever. That's actually the first time I ever heard that. Oh, really? Yeah. I did something. Sounds great. Yeah. And it's and it's not that heavy. No. It's like, it's like I'd be so nervous tracking it thinking, will this translate? If you go through this album and just press play on the songs in the beginning and just kind of skip through real fast, they don't feel like they're hitting hard when you do it like that. But if you listen to them as a whole... Then it takes you all over the place. Well, see, I'm from the school of thought that if you want more power and you want more fullness and you want more hit, less gain. Yeah. The more gain you do, the more compressed it is, the more of a flat wall it is. Yeah, that was kind of the least of these thoughts, too. We always tried to pull back a little bit, mm-hmm. even on heavier parts, just because the clanginess of it kind of... Now, we use totally different guitars, so it didn't have this sound. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I think, th- I think that to a point, because I think at a certain level, without as much gain, you just have a clean tone. And so I think totally, a, and I a, think I made that spot. mistake myself a couple times on songs. I didn't realize it was too clean, but mm. I knew I was trying to stay off the game. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's a happy medium, which I would think is genius behind this tone, mixing the dual rectifier, just really fat, powerful wall of sound distortion, with a plexi that's kind of designed to be like just a little pushed. And so you have the articulation from that like, uh, like. <laughs> Um, so, so you have, good. You have that articulation from the plexi, but the wall of sound from the dual rectifier, which I think is why the tone sounds massive, while also the melody lines in that same riff are, like, small. Right there. Yeah. That's that, like, I'm doing a bar chord, but like, but I'm just going to pick different if, parts if of it. If you listen to that tone, you still feel a wall behind it. It's almost like looking at a zit, like, straight on, and you're like, you're like oh, there's that. But it's like... There's like a side to it. Oh man, like when you have a zit, <laughs> when you have a zit that straight on is like, oh, you just have a little zit, and it's like, yeah. When you turn, dude, a zit like in your nose. I had one right here the other day, <laughs> and it was the worst because I kept wanting to do this because of my allergies, bro. Oh, fun fact: this song's in drop D. I think it's the only one on the record. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah, I would have never known that. I remember before I knew about drop D. Whenever I would play the lowest on my guitar and the song went lower, I was like. I don't know what I don't know what they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all my guitar has. <laughs> my dad actually, when I learned about Drop D, he was kind of bummed because he knew that the kind of music I was playing at the time was just my fingers were doing this. My dad was a stickler for my uh, my my technique, mm-hmm. and so good. He would always, get, if I was playing in Drop D, he like really pressured me to also make sure I was playing in standard, just mm-hmm. so I learned all my. Because yeah, it would have been really easy to be like, oh, I just need this finger now, dude. I think the initial discovery of Drop D and discovering like a dotted eighth delay are the two, one of the two of the coolest things you can learn, and then two of the things that can set you back the most as a guitar player. Oh yeah, totally. If you're not intentional about continuing to grow as a musician. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just, what are you looking to do? Yeah. If you're looking to just jam, maybe that's the quickest way. Fun fact, so because of dotted eighth delays, there was about a two year period, I lost all my punk chops. Oh, we got a, what's up? Hola! Welcome to Gathering My Thoughts. So Alexa is in the house. So what were you saying about the dotted eights? Um, because of the fact that like 
you could go one and two and three and four and and it would go like when you're playing rhythm and singing it's usually easier just to vibe on that and then you know lean into it versus if like you had no delay at all you're just going by just strumming yeah 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 like I remember I didn't play FI for a few years. I went back and tried to learn it again, and my arm was getting tired. I'm like in verse one still, and I'm like, what's going on? I haven't played like this in years. Yeah, no, I'm worried about that because my carpal tunnel, and then at church, I've spent so much time just playing on the higher strings up here, and already my bar chords were doing real bad. Like my hand wasn't doing as well as it should. And then I, now I'm never putting in any reps, and if I pick up an acoustic guitar, I can last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm before my hand just can't do it anymore. Dude, freaking mighty to save and like B flat. That's just like a hand ruiner. Capo won that, man. Hey, was Branson, does he hate that song? Was that the joke on Facebook? No, the joke was when my little brother would go to sleep, um, this is like a six year window. He had a little uh, iPhone dock thing and he put his phone on it and he would just repeat the song mighty to save all night long Aww. for years. Aww. And so when I put, this is the most important record in my life, he just said money to save. And like, so Branson and my friend Cameron, they would save the night all the time. And they'd just be like, <laughs> dude, if I hear money to save one more time. And then, dude, so I've talked about this on uh, the GMT pod before. But when my when we first had our baby and we brought home him, and uh, he had those little nighttime sounds. They're like night nursery rhymes type This is songs. my favorite song on the record coming up. Right away, the tone's awesome. You hear the double tracking too? Yeah, it sounds great. But yeah, those baby songs. Uh, there was like a week where I was laying there and you could hear the little baby tones and I'd be like, Haley, I don't think I'll ever get tired of this music. And I would just think about how beautiful having a baby was and hearing those songs. Dude, now when I hear it, it like, it's like a knife from back so, it's down It's like hearing here. a war sirens going on. And outside. it's gotten louder. I don't know how it gets louder, <laughs> but I can hear it no matter where I am in the house. I think I probably don't hear it anymore. I think my brain just is playing the song in the background. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I do that every week. One song from the worship set will be stuck in my head till the next week. And then there's the baby song and then some uh, Bubble Guppy songs. And that's what that's what this sings in the back of all the stress and joy. Mm-hmm. I'm a happy guy, right? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. You get easily stressed, but... I do. But you're happy. Alright. That's almost a clean tone. It's one string too. Double check. You hear it left and right Mm -hmm. though, right? And then he brings in the chord. I bet that was all one take. Yeah. I either sound like I'm very overappreciative or really bad at guitar. And it's probably both. But (laughs) Yeah, you're great at guitar. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm good enough to make the songs I want to make. You're sufficient for everything you need to do, and that includes writing a song in just about any genre. Yeah, I just I would love to be able to be like, it's Dorian mode, and then just start shredding. <laughs> I did that in school. I never shredded, but I had to learn some of that. Listen so, to this. Sorry. This was different for me at the time, because most punk or heavy music I listened to never was this syncopated. Yeah. It was always just something the whole time. Another thing, um, I know we're talking a lot about the guitar tones, but this we're is guitar my, players. Yeah, yeah, and Give this is break. my favorite guitar. Just tone. Just turn this off, all right? Yeah, don't, don't, don't. Listen to this. You need to hear this. 
This will make you better. I like every other podcast, I yell at my listeners and tell them to stop <laughs> listening to me. I don't um, mean it. Yeah, he wants I just hate to. being told what to do sometimes. All right, Johnny. What's up? What's up, dude? Hi. All right, so, um,. So for those who don't know, um, on the Hive podcast that we also do, there was a section where we had to listen to Led Zeppelin's 4 record, and I talked about the guitar tone, and I was very much like, dude, the most like impressive thing about uh, the guitar player from Led Zeppelin is the fact that everything sounds so perfect and just uh, passionate, and like all his runs are super clean, because that guitar tone requires perfection. Yeah, I think this is in that realm. Yes, I was going to say, everything you hear, if it sounds perfect and it's like a one take, he nailed every bit of the technique it took to play that riff right. Dude, maybe the reason there's not more layers is because once they got done with just rhythm guitars, they were like, F it! Where's your solo? We're going to do that, and then we're done. It's time for (laughs) vocals. It's possible. I wonder what Davey sounds like in the studio. Davey, that's what I call him now. Davey? Yeah, Davey. David. We had we had the same haircut growing up, so we're pretty close. <laughs> Dude, me too. Dude, everyone had it. The no. '90s lesbian cut was huge in the early 2000s. See, I did the. I, I did, still basically have I had it. There's the, a girl uh, at the coffee shop. We have the same exact haircut. I had the uh, the art of drowning hair, where it's like your bangs were super long and the rest of your hair was super short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil's lock. That's yeah, what yeah. people called it, I think. So. But I didn't ever do it straight down because that, uh, yeah, that was before me. My generation said no going over here yeah yeah we emo we, we were sad about it we needed to put it over here a little bit dude jade to this day still has this like right eye covered with hair yeah may- maybe he just has trouble seeing. i have a friend named gino who has trouble seeing and uh, out of one of his eyes and his hair was always in front of it and it was more so he didn't realize it dude kaylin and i uh we watched a few afi videos the a couple days ago uh-huh. and Kaylin's uh over there, he's over there y'all um he said hi. <laughs> um, you talk when we tell you. That. But uh, he had his eye covered, and I was like, "That's so inconvenient." I'm like, "Well, it makes sense if he's like blind out of it." Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> that could be it though. It, it could. Which that would be a genius way. Oh, this is one of the things when I listened to this last week that I want to talk about. I would have never again. We're going guitars. Again, we're going guitars. I would have never thought to um, strum this this way. No. This is a... Uh, and then put pick a clean tone. Like, if I was going to strum this way, maybe an acoustic. Yeah, this is an Esquire attack. Telecaster. This is a Squire Telecaster? Esquire. Esquire. Yeah. So it's a Spanish Squire Telecaster? I guess. it's a. But basically what it is, it only has a bridge pickup. Huh. I've seen that. Through a Gibson amp. A Gibson tube amp. I like it. I played this uh, in high school at Chipotle. They asked me to play an acoustic set out there nice. with my buddy Andy, and we covered this. This is one of the songs I, I loved on the off the record. My first time listening through it. So on the Art of Drowning, they have the this song on on that yeah. album too. Morning Star. Yeah, they're always awesome, dude. Aren't you guys glad though? Like I'm glad that bands don't think they have to have the one acoustic song anymore. Yeah. Because sometimes it just wasn't good, and it was like you felt like you needed it. Like, especially when, like, As I Lay Dying and guys would do it. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, you, dude, you don't, I don't need it. But this part's so beautiful. Yeah, listen to this picking. What do you think he means by all the cracks leading to him? Mm-hmm. All the brokenness, you can just trace it back to him. That's probably it. Or maybe they've been doing some, uh... They've been drilling for oil around him. Maybe. Know? 
And so, so a lot of the fracking well, maybe is he's causing tra- some. Maybe he's trying to say that he did it. All the cracks are leading back to him. Yeah, yeah. All the cracks that you're seeing, all this uh, erosion. Yeah, Frank fracked the mountain, <laughs> dude. Okay, so now that I live so close to Oklahoma and they're just just drilling into that place, I think I I really feel I think I feel earthquakes at my house. That or it's about to do this. But it's moving in the middle, especially, and it's a little trippy. I think technically that's possible. So live. He does rhythm and the lead together. No. So like, yeah. So he's got it set up because think about it. It's an E minor, a G, uh, an A minor. Yeah. Okay. A D and then a, a C. And so he's just going around. And so he'll be like um, doing the lead part, and then he'll just fret. Is he doing the picking with the finger picking as well? The first time I saw someone do that, I was so mad because it's awesome. And I was like, how have I not thought to pick here? Then. So when I saw them live, he played. This, they did that song, and he's just like. <laughs> And he just played the whole thing while also doing the um, picking the rhythm part. And I was awesome. like, dude, dude, this song was epic for me when I was young. Epic, dude. And, 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 and I took Still it at face value the first time. I was like, God, the Hollywood, what a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of the lyrics, I was like, God, actors. Dude, that bass coming in. Seems like I've. To understand my. I love that, dude. There's just nothing like a jazz bass. Yeah, I agree. That's why I have one. Me too. And but but Kalen on the words album, Kalen retracted all the bass parts for me with his bass. Yeah, you see new strings. Yeah, I do. Dude, we've said this so many times. AFI has the greatest gang vocals of all time. Oh, totally. There are. Uh, well, to get, when we do the art of drowning, oh my what God. I'm going to talk about is the best arranging, melodic, vocal production for a punk band almost ever. Maybe Catch Twenty Two or Streetlight Manifesto. Mm-hmm. And but I mean it is so the where they place it the, or it's so well done. Yeah. Yeah, they're so good at it, and I love their gang vocals because they never sound too big. Yeah. I think Lisa these sa- overdid it. It so, sounds like every album we were like more people. Yeah. Well, it's punk, you know. So it's just like no, it's us four. Yeah. Ah. Well, like on the All Hollows Eve, it's even thinner. Uh, it sounds like more of like just four dudes yelling. Yeah. But when I was I was in a punk band called United Disaster, and our gang vocals never sounded right. It sounded like four children <laughs> complaining about stuff. Yeah, dude, Josh Clifton has some great gang vocal advice. Like uh, he was he was talking about you know you do it a few times regular, you do a couple like. Ugh. Yeah, I do that. I do that, but I don't think we did that when we were kids. I don't. Another think thing about that. AFI though is they do harmonies in their gang vocals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, for um, Creo. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Or whatever the heck we did on that song. Yeah, yeah. There was harmony in there. TJ did it, I think. Mm-hmm. TJ's got one of those voices that that just cuts through a mix too. I think if mm-hmm. you go through all the least of these uh, discography and listen to gang vocals, if you know him, it's just easy to find his voice in there. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Listen, listen. Up. Here we go. <laughs> it's so good. I know. Okay, here we go. (laughs) I love that scream. Then you gotta be sad. Dude, his vocabulary is so, like, rich. The source, man. The source? The source. The the source. Uh, The source? The source. When I would write my emo lyrics when I was a kid, I would write down what I was feeling, and then I'd get my thesaurus out, and I'd look for more grown-up words. Uh-huh. And it kind of helps me learn, like, gregarious, yeah. to no avail. 
So, this record, so let me real quick, this is so important to me for lots of reasons. Like, you've known me for years now. What, you know, what guitar do I almost always buy again? A Les Paul. A Les Paul. Well, don't, your arm, somewhere on your arm. Yeah, my first tattoo was uh, the Single Sorrow logo right there. Yeah, it's right there, too. It checks out. It checks out. Let me see. We found him. We got him. That's so cool, um, man. And, you know, Les Pauls are super important to me. Uh, being able to play and write guitar parts that have the lead built into the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Like, I got all that because of just how AFI just did their stuff. That's so cool. Man, you know what's funny? When you started working at Guitar Center... And uh, Eric worked in the guitar department. I worked in the recording department. And there was a wall in between us. But there was no door. So I could hear plenty of guitar noise. Whenever Eric started jamming on a guitar, I knew it was him. It didn't take long. Um, but what's interesting, when it's the way I was able to figure it out, dude, is I would consistently be working. And I would hear someone playing. And I'd be like, I love The tone was always awesome. And the riffs and the way it was being played was always awesome. And I was like, I want to go. Who is that? And I'd go over and I'd be like, oh, it's Eric. And there was at least five times... I'm not going to lie. At least two of those five, I was kind of like, God dang it. Because it just yeah, sounded yeah. so good. I was yeah, like, yeah, God, yeah. how does he do that? He just gets that sound. And uh, So as a Les Paul through a Fender bass breaker. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny that uh, we had the similar upbringing. <coughs> and then I was hearing those influences without realizing it in your playing. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, part of the, the fun of doing the Wolves EP for the first time. You know, when, when I played yeah. guitar parts is... Uh, I could tell like it was your pro you know you had written everything like you'd program the drums and then TJ learned the drums and then he would add a few things here and there you know you had like all the guitars down Ryan had some a lot of guitar parts down and then I would do what you were tracking and then one day you were kind of like uh, why, why don't you why don't you try uh why don't you try something there? Yeah, best decision tell, if you go listen to the least of these wolves EP the best decision on that EP was when it was for guitars were pretty much done and there was like a week where eric would come in and we just say do something else add something mm -hmm. and most of the standout lead riffs came from that dude uh freaking uh there's that magazine that did the review on the ep and they were like uh the opening uh lead uh guitar riff to wolves yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and i was like oh that's the thing i did that's the thing i did on the thing <laughs> oh that's cool yeah I get so scared to read reviews. I try not to, but I have before. I definitely read the Wolves one because that was the first time we did everything just ourselves. DIY. And I needed to know what the masses were thinking. Dude, it's it, it was the best sounding record. That's that's really cool. Um, Zach killed it on the mixing. I guess we did everything but mixing. Yeah. Um, but I think 90% of the fight is getting it right at the source. Something else. Listen to this. Hear the strings? That's a, definitely a keyboard or some kind mm -hmm. of MIDI patch. Yeah, yeah. No one cared. No one cared. Like here's so a lot of the elements in this record that were um, like MIDI or like epic or intro or like just in the background or like Death of Seasons that whole back end. Yeah, a lot of it was cinematic. It reminds me of Terminator. <laughs> Terminator one and two. Cinematic for sure. And his lyrical content led into that too, talking about actors and theater and. Mm -hmm. So if it, it definitely felt. And then just the overly dramatic writing he did. The, mm -hmm. the imagery, roses, mm -hmm. black. Dude, it's a bleeding. very depressing record. Now, have you heard the uh, the theory behind the purpose of the record, the, uh, the, uh, the concept of it? No. Is, I think, this has been years since I heard this, so this could totally be absolutely wrong. 
But Leaving Song Part 2 is about a person dying. And then in Bleed Black, they're coming back to life. Um, and then they're, uh, the, the record's about like how they die. Huh. Okay. I'd like to go through all the lyrics with that idea in my head and see if I can see it. Yeah, there's there's lots of Reddit threads and um, just threads in general about it. I could have totally muffed that up. It's been a long time since I've read it, but I remember reading it, going, "Oh, that's that's interesting." It's super cool. It's a thought. I I have trouble with those. I if I'm gonna listen to your opinion on things, like I kind of I have to be into it. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I'd have to be in the mindset of like, what do people think about the thing, and then I'd go look for it. But if like, if you or Kalen or somebody came up and were like, read this thing about the, even though I love this album and I love AFI, if we were like, if I thought the bros were gonna hang out and when you were like, Johnny, go over there and read this for ten minutes, I'd be like, I'll right. do the best part of the record's about to start. All right, this is called a hidden track, children. <laughs> for you kiddos out there, Eric's taller than me. Twenty-six years old. seems like I'm okay. This is the hidden track on the album. Uh, on iTunes, it's just the next song. But when you, you when we were kids, what bands would do is after the last song, they would leave space, either silence or some kind of like like on this. It was that piano you've been hearing, mm-hmm. and then this is a whole nother song. Do you know what this one's about? Sounds about dying. It's like it's about dying. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? So there was a venue called the Ice House back in the day, and my old band played at it, and it was awesome. We only played there once. And um, I remember when we were loading off, this song played. And I was so just young to technology then, I remember thinking, how did they play just this song? Like, I was walking around going, wouldn't you have to play the other song first and then fast forward or something mm-hmm. i assume on the computer they had it broken into another track or whatever yeah that was the first time yeah, that i heard a hidden track just be played by it like as a song mm. what's well, smart or else a lot of people who aren't patient enough you know what's interesting was in acidies burn released hell or high water uh one of the songs everyone was super the best part of the song that snare sounds awesome I'm such a sucker for a snare. Dude, I'm a sucker for a good bass drum groove. Well, dude, bass tone has been one of the new things I've been paying a lot of attention to. Getting a good bass tone is mm-hmm. so, like, you feel it. You want to know about this bass tone? Yes, let's learn. Okay. We're going to learn champagne. <laughs> champagne. Um, so, his Fender Jazz Bass. Um, it's an American stock everything, I'm pretty sure. Uh, goes to this, like... Uh, multi-tap box or whatever and it goes to a uh, no I'm sorry it goes straight to an Ampeg SVT Classic or SVT4 Pro it's one of those two and then it goes to two 810 stacks and then a uh, couple 15s and they have them in different rooms and they just mic them like all, you know each cab with uh, and then so they got a DI mixed with uh, 810s and uh, some 15s wow and I think maybe an 18-inch speaker. Do you know what mics they used? I think B52. I was gonna say I'm am guessing a Beta 52. Mm-hmm. What else? I would assume an SM57, and then some type of condenser. Dude, I saw Blindside at the door in high school. And it was when they just had, or they may have. I've only seen them once, but that show they had one guitar, one bass, drums, and a vocal, and they mic'd his bass cab with the Beta 52. And I remember thinking this is the heaviest, fullest sounding rock mix I've ever heard. Yes. I'm not saying it was the Beta 52. I'm saying it was Blindside. But man, mm-hmm. I, that was just the first time I saw someone mic 
my cab for the beta. A little brighter guitar tone. So I think it's about dying, like a second time. This is when uh, when Jesus went up on the mountain <laughs> and he was saying, "I'll see you guys later." I'm sending a friend, guys. Be nice to him. <laughs> My friend will be here shortly. <laughs> well, I guess the album's almost over. Is there yeah. anything? I'm gonna as soon as we finish, I'm gonna realize all this stuff. I wish I would have talked about. But. It might be uh, useful the next for next week. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part. Yeah. Um, hit us up. AFI, seeing the sorrow. This has been gathering my thoughts, and for October, we're gonna be gathering our favorite music from AFI. And it's just—they've always had this Halloween vibe to them, man. Their artwork—is this? They're so dark. The they glam rock, a, emo. They've got a look to it. Depressing punk, all that stuff together. Yeah, it works really well. So that's so. If you're into that stuff. Then uh, you can listen to these on my podcast, uh, Gathering My Thoughts, or go to Twitch. Yeah, Honey Gold Records on Twitch. And you can watch us stand here and do it uh, instead of just listening. Yeah, and you can also hit me up. We can play some Destiny 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eric will be on the Honey Gold Twitch playing some vitriol games. That's the one. Vitriol? That's another thesaurus word. Vitriol? Yeah, vitriol. Is that like an old wine in a glass? Yeah, oaky afterbirth. Okay, that makes sense. Well, we love you guys. I do. I don't know, man. I'm not going to speak for Eric. Uh, you guys are right. My, my listeners are a good crowd. Yeah, they yeah, keep yeah. coming back. Yeah. I'm I, one think of there's, them. I think there's 21 of you. I'm just guessing from the checking on the internet. But thank you. According to Josh, you could expect it at a, another one or two. So you could be at 22. That's pretty, that's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you guys. Uh, you, hopefully you've already stopped this. I just don't know how to say goodbye. This is me on the phone. If you ever want to know what it's like saying bye to me on the phone, it's just, are you going to go or am I going to go? All right. I'm hanging up. Bye.